before we take our break. Uh, the devastation begins in David's family. And uh, you've got his oldest son now, Amnon, and uh, some of the things that he's involved with. So, um, chapter 13, uh, verses 1 to 6. Now it was after this that Absalom, son of David, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Amnon was so frustrated because of his sister Tamar that he made himself ill, for she was a virgin, and it seemed hard to Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemiah, David's brother, and Jonadab was a very shrewd man. He said to him, O son of the king, why are you so depressed morning after morning? Will you not tell me? Then Amnon said to him, I am in love with Tamar, the sister of my brother Absalom. Jonadab said, then said to him, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. When your father comes to see you, Say to him, Please let my sister Tamar come and give me some food to eat, and let her prepare the food in my sight, that I may see it and eat from her hand. So, yep. An so Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let my sister Tamar come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight, that I may eat from her hand. Right. Yes. So, the sins of David, you see recur in his sons. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Here you see um, using an intermediary to get a woman. You see a sexual sin in David's son's own home. You see the start of a longer, much more complex conflict. You see a, ultimately a murder that's ordered through others. There, there's just a lot of things that remind you in this chapter of the things David did. But you've got Amnon having a real a lust problem for his sister. Same father, different mothers. And of course the social constraint kept him from being able to fulfill that, but it was just destroying him. He was just so impassioned, and he couldn't have her. He was lovesick or lustsick or whatever. Really, uh, really hard for him to deal with. And uh, who helps him out? His friend. Yeah, his friend was actually his what? Cousin. cousin. Yeah, his friend slash cousin, Jonadab. Wow. What's Jonadab's idea? Fake being sick so that she'll have to come tend to your needs. Yes, if you fake being sick, David will come and you ask for her to come and, and cook for you what you really like to eat. You know, when you're sick, it's always a matter of what, you, what can you get that, that you'll eat. You need to eat to recover your health, but you don't have much appetite. Well, he wants these things that Tamar always fixes. Have her come and fix it. And uh, that was Jonadab's shrewd plan to help David get what, get help Amnon get what he wanted. You know, is it really a friend who helps us get what we want but not what's best for us? And and who who looks worse here, Amnon or Jonadab? <laughs> you know, Amnon is blinded by his lust and passion. Jonadab has none of that 
calm, cool, and collected. You know, he just uh, coolly, coldly explains how he can get what he wants. It is so tragic when we are not even in the grip of the, of the lust, but we, we tell somebody else how to do the wrong thing. We have to really be careful about that. You know, that, that's a really sinister kind of thing that Jonadab did. So he fakes the sickness. You know, David comes and, and you know, uh, Amnon says, well, you know, I need Tamar to come and make a couple of cakes in my sight. That's pretty important in my sight. Reminds you of David and what he saw. Wasn't so interested in seeing the food preparation in itself, but seeing Tamar. He is starting to uh, carry through the, the scheme that Jonadab masterminded for him. Comments and questions about this? Austin. Austin. You know, several times reading it through, I, I thought Jonadab was a wicked. But then I, I tend to think that maybe he just is saying, have her come so that you can have see her and be a part of her. Do you, do you see that any, or do you think that he's he's plotting along for the sexual relationship? I think he's plotting. Okay. That's what I think. What do you think? It seems to me like he understands what Amnon's saying and uh, you know, what does he say? Uh, you know, say to him that I may see it. I, I think he intends for this to make Amnon able to do what he wants to with Tamar. That's my impression. I also think it's interesting that Jonadab later on in the story will tell David, no, it's just Amnon. Absalom didn't kill all of your sons. I mean, he seems to know that Absalom would have it out for Amnon and not for the rest of them. Other thoughts? Eric? It's interesting that in verse 2 it says that he made himself ill, but then in verse 6 he pretended to be ill, so he his emotional illness caused him to pretend to be something that he wasn't. Right. Yeah. Good point. Yes, Jay. Do you wonder if um, Jonadab um, was did not like Amnon and wanted maybe he was angry with Amnon at some point and he wants to get this back at him so someone can because it looks like that what he tells him it really ends up hurting him in the long run I'm not so sure I suspect he's just saying well this will get you what you want maybe he hadn't thought about what the consequences would be I don't know sometimes people will help us get what we want it's really bad for us but sometimes um, you know all we think about is the short term. This will get what you really want. I don't, that's my impression. That's a good thought. Comments about that? Thoughts about that? It's a good way to think about that. Well, look what happens. Uh, how about 7 to... Uh, let's do 7 to 19. And David sent to the house of Tamar, saying, Go now to your brother Amnon's house, and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was lying down. And she took dough, kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, and baked the cakes. She took the pan and dished them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Have everyone go out for me. 
So everyone went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food into, uh, into the bedroom, that I may eat from your hand. So Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the bedroom to her brother Amnon. When she brought them to, uh, to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come lie with me, my sister. But she answered him, No, my brother, do not violate me. For such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. As for, as for me, where can I get rid of my reproach? And as for you, you will be like one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not listen to her. Since he was stronger than she, he violated her and lay with her. Through what? Nineteen. Then Amnon hated her with a very great hatred. For the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Get up, go away. But she said to him, No, because this is wrong and sending me away is greater than the other, the other that you have done to me. Yet he would not listen to her. Then he called his young man who attended him and said, Now throw this woman out of my presence and lock the door behind her. Now she had on a long sleeve garment, for in this manner the virgin daughters of the king dressed themselves in robes. Then his uh, attendant took her out and locked the door behind her. Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her long sleeve garment which was on her. And she put her hand on her head and went away crying aloud as she went. Remember some connections here. Amnon is David's <laughs> oldest son. Tamar is Absalom's full sister. So David tells Tamar, go cook for Amnon. She does. Lengthy uh, explanation of the cooking, even though that's probably not at all what Amnon was thinking about. His hunger was for Tamar, uh, not for the food. And finally, Amnon wants him to more or less feed him and everybody else to leave. That gives him the privacy to execute his plot. And uh, Amnon... Uh, takes her and, and tells her uh, to uh, have a relationship with him and she objects frantically. She tries everything in the book to dissuade him but he was stronger than she was, wouldn't listen to reason and so he violated her. You know, the, the, the violation was quick but it took years to exhaust the consequences of that one foolish, lustful act. And it was terrible. And it's one of those things that's really, if you're first reading this, I think this would be hard to understand. Amnon hated her with a very great hatred greater than the love he loved her with. Why? He didn't really love her in the first place. Well, he didn't really love her in the first place, that's for sure, Chad. I think he may have convinced himself that she wanted to do this too. And she wanted nothing of it. So. He gets what he wants, but she didn't correspond, so he feels the rejection. Uh, that's part of it. I agree with that. I think part of it is he's trying to look for someone to blame it on, and she's kind of the easiest target at this point. Yes, to some extent that's true. Austin? There's definitely some shame in his sin. He knows that he, is, he has violated his sister and done something not right. Yes. So, Andrew? Sin always promises fulfillment, but in the end, always he's just feeling empty. You're exactly right. Didn't satisfy him like he thought. Logan? Um, I think Tamar said 
Could be, but she also doesn't want this done to her. You know, this is going to be a disgraceful act all the way around. You know, think about how we feel toward those we have injured, toward those we hurt. He, he's hurt Tamar. She, she was disgraced, you know, and when he rejects her even more so, I mean, you know, more or less implies she's not fit to be married even by, to a rapist, you know. So this, but, but, but he sees that he's hurt her. She reminds him of his sin. You know, you don't want to see the person you've injured. You feel guilty. You notice sometimes when you start backing away from somebody, some of the times it'll be because you feel like you've hurt them. And now they make you feel uncomfortable. You feel awkward because you know you've hurt them. And, and you tend to reject them because you feel guilty in their presence because it reminds you of the sin you committed. I think that's part of this. He satisfies his desires with her and discards her because the satisfaction wasn't really fulfilling to him like he thought it would be. Doesn't have any more plans for her. So it's her problem now what happened, not his. Uh, just a really tragic story. It's not always that way. You had Shechem and he continues to, to care about Dinah. Sometimes it may work that way, but there's a whole lot of times when we hurt somebody and then we turn around and we hate them because they didn't fulfill us and now we just feel guilty in their presence. Comments and thoughts on this? Austin. What do you make of Tamar's uh, reaction to even saying, you know, don't you think David would allow this to happen if you just go ask him? I mean, she is willing to not be violated in this way. I, I'm just curious by her comment there. I'm assuming she's grasping at straws, that she probably knows David wouldn't give it, but she says anything to try to stop him. That's what I'm thinking. Logan. What does she mean that in sending her away that he's treating her worse than what he had already done? Well, now he's just discarding her after he's used her, you know, so now he's implying she's, she's worthless. Who, what man would want her? Yes, come on. You know how God gives other people to encourage, you know, us? I mean, could you think of it like Satan is using Jonadab to encourage him to sin? I think he was. I think Jonadab was a stumbling block to Amnon. Jacob. Um, what do you think about Tamar never giving a reason, saying that it's wrong. Like she says it's disgraceful and she says she wouldn't be able to get rid of her reproach, but she never says it's wrong. Would have been wise to say that, I think. It's a good, good observation. Sometimes, sometimes we only talk about the consequences. Not that it's wrong to consider the consequences. I mean, the Proverbs talk about that a lot. But fundamentally, it is wrong. That's the reason. So she might should have said that. Good point. What do you mean in verse 16 when she says, uh, this wrong in sending me away is greater than what you've done to me? Well, I think he's, she's saying, you know, throwing me away after you've done this is even worse than doing it. Now, now you violated me and kicked me out. You know, I mean, that's just one further step. You know, beat me up and then leave me for dead. You know, take advantage of me and then don't do anything to try to correct it. Okay. That's what I would say. And you know, sometimes, actually, often when we have unrepentant sin, you push that focus on anyone else but yourself. Yes. We always want to shift the blame, don't we? Other thoughts? 
Andrew. I think we see again just how hard it is, um, especially for the, the men we've come across in 2 Samuel, um, how hard it is for them to just man up and face the fact that they have sinned. And I know I can really relate to that, that and, and especially how here um, Amnon you know, is casting her away because she makes him feel guilty. And you know, a lot of the times when, when I sin, I am reluctant to confess to my brothers because I know it's going to hurt them to find out that I have sinned. At the same time, I cut myself off from the help that I could otherwise receive. And so it's more detrimental. And sometimes what we say is it will hurt them, but what we really are thinking it will hurt or embarrass ourselves. Yeah. Honesty is still the best policy, even if it's painful. Good, good thoughts, Dave, uh, Dan. I just think uh, many times. Um, Okay. Look, <laughs> look at verse 20. Then Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon your, Amnon, your brother, been with you? But now keep silent, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this matter to heart. So Tamar remained and was desolate in her brother Absalom's house. Now when David, King David heard of all these matters, he was very angry. But Absalom did not speak to Amnon, either good or bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had violated his sister Tamar. Very interesting responses here. Absalom said, don't worry about it, and he says nothing to Amnon. That's a uh, ominous sign. His silence and inactivity are an indication that soon his rage will break out. Um, and, and, but also think about David. David, you know, was very angry. Not even a slap on the wrist. Yeah. So, the Septuagint adds this. I do not know whether this could have been in the original text or not. But in the Septuagint it adds, and did not grieve the spirit of Amnon because he loved him because he was his firstborn. I don't know for sure if that was in the original. Whether it was or whether it wasn't, isn't that appropriate in this case? Isn't that what was happening? David refused to deal with his children's sins. Maybe in part because he was aware of his own guilt. I think our own guilt paralyzes us. How can he punish Amnon when he's done something equivalent with Bathsheba? There are many times when parents won't deal with their kids' sins because they haven't dealt with their own properly. Because they let the guilt of that. You know, you even have, uh, I have a, I don't listen to media a lot, but a while back there was kind of a radio campaign for, you know, even though you've taken drugs in the past, you know, you can still teach your children not to. I forget exactly how they did that, but that was the idea. Don't let your previous drug history paralyze you in warning your children, which of course is a valid point. Why would you not warn them of something that's hurt you? But David couldn't bear to disappoint his children. His feelings interfered with his judgment, and he wouldn't do anything. You know, Eli didn't do anything about his son's sins other than say, naughty, naughty. Sam, Samuel had bad sons. We're not sure exactly what all there was to it. And so David doesn't deal with it. He gets angry, but he doesn't punish him, which probably sets up the overreaction on Absalom's part a couple years later. 
Comments and questions about that? Even you see this theme of with David throughout Samuel of how he has a problem dealing with the people close to him punishing him. I mean, punishing the ones that did wrong that are close to him. You're right. He does. Yeah. Other thoughts? Also goes to show the importance of uh, good parenting. Yeah. Even good people don't always deal with their children properly. All right, we're going to take a break and come back and finish the story. So, uh, a good situation. Amnon violated Tamar and then discards her. <coughs> David doesn't really do anything about it. Absalom doesn't either, but Absalom's uh, very uh, deliberate. Um, Amnon's hatred for Tamar is more than equaled by Absalom's hatred for Amnon. So we're going to see what Absalom chooses to do about this. Um, chapter 13, 23 to 36. And it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had, had sheep shears in Baal Hazor, which, which was near Ephraim. So Absalom invited all the king's sons. Then Absalom came to the king and said, Kindly note, your servant has sheep shears. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, let us not all go now, lest we be a burden to you. Then he urged him, but he would not go, and he blessed him. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said to him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him. So he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Now Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Watch now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say to you, Strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and die. So the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, and each one got on his mule and fled. And it came to pass, while they were on their way, that news came to David, saying, Absalom has killed all the king's sons, and not one of them is left. So the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the ground, and all his servants stood by him with their clothes torn. Then Jonadab, the son of Shemiah, David's brother, answered and said, Let not my lord suppose that they have killed all the young men, the king's sons, for only Amnon is dead. For by the command of Absalom, this has been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Now therefore, let not my lord the king take this, the thing to his heart, to think that all the king's sons are dead, for only Amnon is dead. Then Absalom fled. And the young man who was keeping watch lifted his eyes and looked. And there many people were coming from the road on the hillside behind him. And Jonadab said to the king, Look, the king's sons are coming. As your servant said, so it is. And so it was, as soon as he had finished speaking, that the king's sons indeed came. They lifted up their voice and wept. And the king and all his servants wept very bitterly. Well... Absalom's having a big sheep shearing deal. That seemed to be kind of a festive sort of a thing. 
that they would do, a prosperous thing. They often would have a feast with that. And so Absalom comes to David wanting what, uh, at least on the surface? Everybody to go. Yeah, let's have the whole family down and uh, we'll all enjoy the sheep shearing. However, David, uh, you know, says, no, my son, we should not all go, for we will be burdensome to you. And uh, David just insists that he, he can't come, so Absalom says, well, at least let Amnon come. And uh, he ends up uh, letting the sons go. So David's sons go down and join with Absalom in this sheep shearing uh, celebration. And Absalom gives orders to his servants to do what? Kill Amnon when? Yeah, when he's drunk in the middle of the feast, you know, don't fear, kill him. And so they do. And of course, when they do that, pandemonium breaks out. Uh, they, don't, they don't know what Absalom's got in mind, who else might be uh, killed. And uh, so they flee. David hears what rumor? All the sons are done. Yeah. It's kind of like rumors often are. The report that reaches David was quite an exaggeration. Jonadab, he realized exactly what's happening. Isn't that amazing? And I'm sad. And he said, no, it'll just be Amnon. I mean, that's who Absalom had it out for, not the others. And sure enough, he's right. Um, think about some of what you see in this. You know, Amnon and Absalom are chips off the old block. You know, a premeditated murder, a means to an end, using someone else, getting their victims drunk. Um, you know, and in a sense, imitating the rape. You know, deceptively manipulated, manipulating David into ordering one of his children into a trap. Then in the midst of a meal, overpowering a sibling and carrying out their desire. Uh, so those are some of the things that you might think about, you know, in connection with this, that, that really Absalom almost duplicates what happened to Amnon, and both of them have ended up doing things that are very similar in many ways to what David did. You reap what you sow, and you, often you reap it in your own children. How many times have all of us as parents seen our children imitate us? That's a very frightening thing sometimes, but it happens, and uh, it's likely to happen. Comments and thoughts on all this. A lot of things to uh, to think about. Yes. I think it's really interesting to know that, you know, in situations where we may consider, you know, seeking revenge on someone, that actually puts us on the same level as that person. I mean, we see that with Joab killing Abner, and then here with Absalom killing Amnon. You you seek to their level. Excellent point. I agree with that. Yeah. Yes. Do you think there's wanting David to come as well? I suspect he's trying to mask his real intentions by starting out inviting the whole family, being pretty sure David won't come. It makes it seem less uh, sinister or less, uh, you know, threatening. That's what I think. I think it's all part of the uh, kind of the misdirection. Good question. Other thoughts or comments? Austin. Why do you think after two years, Amnon here decides that they're friends and he can go? I mean, don't you see some not smart logic on his part? I mean. Yeah. 
I don't know if he didn't realize that much. I don't know. Joseph? Absolutely. I think it definitely is. Yeah, good observation. Chad? Well, go back to what Austin said. Maybe Amnon thought there was safety in numbers with all the other brothers there with him. He might, the situation might be a little bit safer for him. Good point. Yeah. I guess I'm not absolutely sure to what extent Amnon realizes how much Absalom had it out for him. And something to think about is that Absalom had not said a word to Amnon about this. He had not spoken to him for good or bad. So maybe Amnon doesn't really understand the depth of resentment in Absalom. That's just a thought. Maybe that's not right. Logan? I'm thinking some about Jonah. And uh, the fantastic friend that he's been, um, because first, because first, because it first occurred to me that maybe if Amnon had had a friend that was better than Jonadab, that things might have turned out differently in regard to him and Tamar. Right. And then when Amnon is dead, Jonadab doesn't seem too terribly concerned about it. He's just like, oh, it's just Amnon. Don't worry about it. The others are fine. And it, it just makes me think a lot about how tragic that is and how we need to choose our friends carefully. Yes, are your friends the people who help you get what you want or the people who help you do the right thing? I'm not sure Jonadab's the kind of friend anybody ought to want. Yeah, Megan. Do you think that like when like Jonadab knew immediately that Amnon was dead, do you think that's because maybe he helped Absalom plot his stuff? Ooh, that'd be bad. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, He's good at plotting, though, so who knows? Now, I really think that he just has seen what's going on. I think he's a shrewd guy. I think he's got a lot of perception, even though he's, you know, not virtuous at all. So I think he just figures it out, but I don't know. That would be really bad. Yes? Perhaps Absalom was waiting for David to punish uh, his brother. Um, Do you think... Absalom kind of saw his fault and his father for not taking action and thought he would be a better king in that respect? Well, good good questions. I, I, you know, I suspect to some extent <coughs> the fact that David didn't punish Amnon mm-hmm. outrages Absalom. I bet you anything, if you can remember back to your childhood, very young adulthood, that you can remember times when you feel like your parents did not punish one of your siblings like they should have. And if you were an old, older sibling, you may have tried to take matters into your own hands in some sense or another, feeling like, well, something ought to be done. And my parents aren't doing it, so I'm going to, you know, do whatever. You know, I think that's a rather common feeling. So I can see Absalom doing that. I'll tell you something else we haven't talked about yet, but I really think there's into this. Amnon is the one son that's older than Absalom, assuming that Daniel slash Kiliab is gone. No Amnon? Guess, who, guess who's heir apparent to the throne? I suspect there's a little bit of that, just seeing Absalom's character after this and how self-promoting he is. So that's something else to maybe think about. Other thoughts, comments? You kind of wonder if Jonadab had used his shrewdness to kind of help 
get these through these family problems what he would have been differently. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a lot more uh, productive use of that, wouldn't it? I agree. You know, look at verse uh, 37. Now Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Ahimud, uh, whatever, the king of Geshur, and David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom had fled and gone to Geshur and was there three years. The heart of King David longed to go out to Absalom, for he was comforted concerning Amnon since he was dead. So Absalom, as a result of his sin, fearing punishment, does what? He flees to his grandfather. His grandfather on his mother's side, who was not an Israelite. In one stroke, then, David lost Amnon to murder and Absalom to flight. And uh, David, David's kind of in, a, in, a, in an impasse. He really refuses to exercise justice in his family, and yet he won't let Absalom come back. He's just sort of holding Absalom out there without really dealing with this. Comments and questions, then, on chapter 13. So, in, when he says he's mourning for his son, would that be Absalom? Yes, uh, I think some of both, perhaps. I suspect he mourned uh, for Amnon, certainly, but he's, he's really longing to see Absalom, and he's mourning the loss of him as well. It, it seems to be like a similar attitude to in 12 when he's mourning for the like, child that's just been born, really hoping a lot of like, things can still change that his son will come back and start doing other things. Yes, and I think David has a soft spot in his heart for his sons. Not that that's an unusual feeling. But I think he just, even when his sons do wrong, he doesn't want to disappoint them, and he longs for them, and he wants to see them. I think it's very parent to um, not deal firmly with our children's um, sins and, and, and wrongs because we love them too much, you know, which is really an abuse of the word love, but our feelings for them interfere with our wisdom in dealing with them, and, and I think David is very much like many of us are, and, and it wasn't wise. It hurt his family. You know, he doesn't deal with them directly. Later on, we'll see Adonijah, we won't see, but 1 Kings 1 talks about how David never crossed him at any time. You know, David never told him he was wrong. That's a hard thing to do. You know, uh, maybe not when the child's one or two, but when our children get older, to take a firm stand in dealing with them. I think that's really hard. It needs to be done. It would have been better in David's household had he done so, but he doesn't. Yes, Nicole. Um, in verse 39, it says, for he was comforted concerning Adonai since he was dead. What, what, what does that mean? Well, I'm not sure. Maybe it means, well, he realized that Amnon had been punished and he doesn't have this kind of, you know, sense of not having really dealt with this properly. That's the suggestion I would have. Somebody else may have a different one. Austin? I, I have a slight different take on it. I, I think it tends to lean towards the death of, of the son of Bathsheba, that there's nothing more that he can do but in the hopes of, of if Abnon here has restored himself uh, to God or, or, or whatever the case is. And, and that's sort of our same standing, you know. We can't, we can mourn for people who are still living, but for those who are dead, 
and gone, that, that, that's done, and, and we can only hope to see them in heaven once again. Okay, good point, Heather. So at this point, if David had died, would Adonijah be the king? Perhaps, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you would assume if we go down the line, Absalom really, except Absalom's banished, so would he become king and be brought back, or would Adonijah be? I think it leaves the throne in limbo if David dies. I think that's part of why Joab sought to resolve the situation, because the succession is not clear at this point. That's what I would say. Penny? If someone else has already made this comment, I apologize, I missed it, but I wonder if David struggled with um, discipline, disciplining and punishing his his children for these matters because of the great mistake he had made. Yes. And I, you know, as a parent, sometimes I... I can struggle with that because I know my own feelings, and I can feel very hypocritical. But if God expected to me expected me to be perfect, to be a good parent, and to parent my children, He would have He would have done things differently. And we we can't let that hinder us. Well, exactly. I think we can be humble with our children. I think we should be honest. Hey. I did not do this right. This still is wrong for you. It hurt me. I don't want you to be hurt that same way. We're not trying to be self-righteous or hide the fact that we have messed up, but it very much should be every generation is better than the one before them. They've been better raised, should be that way, and they ought to do better than their parents have done. I talk to young people that way a lot of times. If they've been raised by, by Christian parents, many of their Christian parents weren't raised by Christian parents. You know, and so they ought to be stronger instead of looking at their parents and saying, well, you did that one time. Well, so I, you know, uh, if, if somebody else jumps off the bridge, you will. That's what my parents always used to tell me. But, you know, just because my parents messed up in some way, that's an example for me to avoid so I can do better than they've done. Yeah. Is there any kind of justification for Absalom's actions? I mean... I don't think so. I don't think he had the right to take justice into his own hands. I think he should have maybe gone to David as the king. That's what I would say. Kelly? Yeah, to your earlier point, I mean, who better to teach a series on lust and sin than David? I mean, he should have been, I mean, he should have been horrified to think that his sons might do what he had done. And so the same thing would apply for us. Yeah, good point. Yeah, that's a good way to put that. Right. Well, Nathan, uh, you know, he had blessed David in his efforts to do the temple, and then God came to him. So he had made a mistake there as well. He had no problem telling David, you are the man. You know, he wasn't perfect, and yet he rebuked David for, for what he did with, with Bathsheba. Hey, nobody who's perfect will ever rebuke us other than the Lord. You know, any rebuke that's done is done by somebody who's needed some rebuke also. That's the way that's going to be. Yeah, Seth. David wasn't qualified to, to lead God's people because he was perfect. Uh, elders aren't qualified to, to, to lead a church because they're perfect. Parents aren't qualified to teach their kids because they're perfect. It's about the contract part. And if you teach, a, if you show your humility, uh, it goes a long, long way uh, toward people respecting you and being willing to follow. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Other thoughts? Ryan. I think the only reason that we are able to you know, rebuke someone even though we may be guilty of the same thing is because, um, kind of like Nathan, Nathan was speaking directly for God 
but we are speaking for God's word. We're speaking out for what we know to be right. And you know, even if we've done the same thing, we can still have forgiveness of that. We can still want other people to be free from that thing. Yeah, good point. Very good point. Other thoughts? Okay. Well, chapter 14, you know, we've got this 